Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of folic acid deficiency found under the heme section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 50-year-old alcoholic man presents to the hospital in a florid alcohol withdrawal. He confabulates and trembles uncontrollably. He has started on supportive therapy for now. An alcohol withdrawal score is done regularly to assess for the need for medical therapy. In the meantime, blood work comes back with megaloblastic anemia and increased homocysteine and normal methylmalonic acid. He has immediately started on folic acid supplementation. Let's continue with an introduction to folic acid deficiency. Folic acid, also known as vitamin B9, is found in leafy green vegetables. In order to understand the pathogenesis of folic acid deficiency, remember that folic acid is absorbed in the jejunum and ileum. It is used in tetrahydrofolate as a coenzyme, and it is important for DNA and RNA synthesis. Also remember that there is a small reserve pool in the liver. Deficiency of folic acid causes a megaloblastic anemia due to impaired DNA synthesis. With regards to epidemiology, remember that it is the most common vitamin deficiency in the U.S. It is the most common cause of megaloblastic anemia, and it can manifest after four months since this is about how long it takes to deplete the liver stores. Conditions associated with folic acid deficiency include chronic hemolytic anemias, malnutrition, which may be seen in alcoholism, the elderly, and in patients with psychiatric comorbidities. It may also be caused by pregnancy, since there is an increased folate requirement. One may see it in malabsorption syndromes, such as celiac disease and tropical sprue. Also remember that folic acid deficiency during pregnancy can increase the risk of neurotube defects in the infant. And certain drugs, which are antifolates, may cause folic acid deficiency. These drugs may include phenytoin, methotrexate, and trimethoprim. Moving on to the presentation, remember that the symptoms will not include neurological symptoms, which is different from B12 deficiency. However, patients will have symptoms of anemia, such as fatigue, weakness, and shortness of breath. And on physical exam, one may note glossitis and pallor. With regards to further evaluation, one can perform a peripheral blood smear, which may demonstrate hypersegmented lobes seen in neutrophils, macrocytosis, and basophilic stippling. Serum studies may demonstrate a decreased folic acid, increased homocysteine, and a normal methylmalonic acid. This is unlike in vitamin B12 deficiency, which has an increased methylmalonic acid. One may also note a decreased reticulocyte count, and one may see pancytopenia due to destruction of abnormal cells. There will also be an increased MCV, and remember that folate is more readily depleted than B12. Also make sure to test for B12 deficiency and a TSH in order to rule out hypothyroidism. And in terms of the differential, make sure to think about vitamin B12 deficiency, pernicious anemia, and other causes of macrocytic anemia, which may include alcoholism, hypothyroidism, liver dysfunction, and drugs. And in terms of treatment, one should provide folic acid supplementation, and the patient should eat a more balanced diet, which includes fruits and vegetables. With regards to the prognosis, it is good as long as there is supplementation. Prevention may be accomplished with folic or folinic acid supplementation, especially if the patient is chronically on drugs, such as methotrexate. And lastly, complications related to folic acid deficiency include neural tube defects, which may occur in the infant if there is a deficiency during pregnancy. Also remember that in the setting of a B12 deficiency, the anemia can correct with aggressive folate supplementation, but the patient will still be at risk for neurological complications of B12 deficiency, including peripheral neuropathy 
and posterior column defects due to deficiencies in myelin production. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to folic acid deficiency, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 52-year-old female presents to her rheumatologist with complaints of fatigue, a sore mouth, and occasional nausea and abdominal pain over the past several months. Her medical history is significant for prediabetes treated with diet and exercise, hypertension managed with lisinopril, and rheumatoid arthritis while controlled with methotrexate. Her vital signs are within normal limits. Physical exam is significant for an overweight female, as well as ulnar deviation of the MCP joints and swan neck deformity in the fingers. There is also glycitis of the tongue. The physician orders laboratory workup, including a complete blood count with peripheral blood smear, as well as a basic metabolic panel and serum methylmalonic acid and homocysteine levels. These tests are significant for a hematocrit of 29.5, a decreased reticulocyte count, normal serum methylmalonic acid level, increased homocysteine level, as well as a peripheral smear that demonstrates hypersegmented neutrophils and macrocytes. Which of the following could have reduced this patient's risk for developing their presenting condition? And the answer choices are, choice one, discontinuation of lisinopril and initiation of triamterine for blood pressure control. Choice two, administration of daily high-dose PO vitamin B12. Choice three, monthly injection of vitamin B12 supplementation. Choice four, initiation of folinic acid. Or choice five, addition of metformin. The best answer to this question is choice four, initiation of folinic acid. This patient is suffering from folic acid deficiency, macrocytic anemia secondary to her chronic methotrexate therapy. Folic acid supplementation with folinic acid is recommended to mitigate the risk of developing folic acid deficiency in patients on long-term, low-dose methotrexate therapy. Methotrexate is a folic acid antagonist that inhibits dihydrofolate reductase, or DHFR. This decreases the formation of FH4, a coenzyme necessary for the production of RNA, DNA, and proteins. Folic or folinic acid supplementation in patients undergoing methotrexate therapy bypasses the inhibited DHFR enzyme and replenishes the folate pool. Folic or folinic acid supplementation should not be utilized in patients receiving methotrexate therapy as a chemotherapeutic agent as folic acid supplementation may limit the efficacy of methotrexate at inhibiting cell division. A study by Kaferli et al. reviews macrocytic anemia, focusing specifically on folate deficiency. Medications that may affect folate metabolism include methotrexate, 5-fluorouracil, hydroxyurea, pyrimethamine, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, pentamidine, triamterine, and phenytoin. Certain medications may affect absorption of folate in the GI tract, including metformin and cholestyramine. A study by Shea et al. conducted a Cochrane systematic review assessing the efficacy of folic acid supplementation at reducing the side effects of methotrexate therapy in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. The authors report a protective effect of folic or folinic acid supplementation in those patients with rheumatoid arthritis undergoing treatment with methotrexate. Supplementation led to decreased GI side effects, improved hepatic function, reduced stomatitis, and improved patient tolerance and adherence of the medication. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, 
Triamterine is a diuretic that may be used in the treatment of hypertension. However, triamterine itself may interfere with folate metabolism and thereby worsen the patient's folate deficiency. Choices 2 and 3. Vitamin B12 supplementation would not be helpful in this patient with folate deficiency secondary to chronic methotrexate therapy. Choice 5. Metformin may interfere with folate utilization. Addition of this medication could worsen this patient's existing folic acid deficiency, resulting from chronic methotrexate therapy. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 29-year-old woman who is 16 weeks into her pregnancy comes to your office with symptoms of fatigue and dizziness. She has been taking iron, but no other vitamins or minerals. She denies any medical history and states all her physician visits before pregnancy were normal. She also denies taking any supplements or medications. On exam, she has no neurological deficits, but her complete blood count is significant for hemoglobin of 10.2 grams per deciliter. The mean corpuscular volume, or MCV, of her red blood cells is 105, and a peripheral blood smear demonstrates macrocytic RBCs with a neutrophil with an 8-lobed nucleus. Her methylmalonic acid level is normal. What is the most likely cause of her condition? And the answer choices are... Choice 1, iron deficiency. Choice 2, thalassemia. Choice 3, vitamin B12 deficiency. Choice 4, folate deficiency. Or choice 5, anemia of chronic disease. And the best answer to this question is, choice 4, folate deficiency. A young, pregnant female presenting with symptoms of anemia without folate supplementation and with macrocytosis on her CBC, likely has anemia due to folate deficiency. She should be treated with folate supplementation of at least 400 micrograms daily. Folate deficiency is a common cause of neural tube defects due to its role in the development of the central nervous system. It has been reduced with the fortification of various foods, such as cereals and flour, with folate, along with folate supplementation for patients susceptible to deficiency, such as pregnant patients, alcoholics, etc., it most commonly presents with symptoms of anemia along with megaloblastic characteristics on peripheral blood smear, such as macrocytosis with neutrophils with five or more lobes. This occurs because although RNA and protein synthesis allows the RBC membrane to grow, the lack of folate prevents DNA synthesis and replication. A study by Kaferli et al. discusses the evaluation of macrocytosis. They suggest the causes of megaloblastic anemia, which are demonstrated by macroovalocytes, and hypersegmented neutrophils to be most likely either vitamin B12 or folate deficiency. When the peripheral smear is non-megaloblastic, they suggest hypothyroidism, liver disease, or medications such as methotrexate, phenytoin, and Bactrim, and primary bone marrow dysplasias are other differentials to consider. When considering B12 or folate deficiency, they suggest using homocysteine levels, which are elevated in both, and methylmalonic acid levels, which are only elevated in B12 deficiency, to differentiate between the two, along with folate and B12 levels. A study by Kreider et al. uses a Bayesian model to determine estimated RBC folate concentration at the time of neurotube closure and risk of neurotube defects associated with various folate levels in a population in China. They determined that risk of neural tube defects was 25.4 with a 95% uncertainty level of 20.8 to 31.2 neural tube defects per 10,000 births at 500 nanomoles per liter of folate and decreased as estimated RBC folate concentration increased. 
This decrease to six neural tube defects per 10,000 births at 1,180 nanomoles per liter of folate and was found to be consistent with the prevalence of neural tube defects in the U.S. population before and after food fortification with folic acid. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 1 and 2. Iron deficiency anemia and thalassemia normally present with microcytic hypochromic anemias with possible target cells. Choice 3. Vitamin B12 deficiency presents with megaloblastic anemia, but is much less common than folate deficiency, especially in the setting of pregnancy. Choice 5. Chronic diseases often cause anemia, but they are normocytic or microcytic. That's all for this review about folic acid deficiency. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.